2: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
0: Well, as I say this, it's been about 26 hours since the end of that Stanford, Oregon game. And I'm every bit as bewildered by it now as I was when that final pass fell incomplete. I'm having real problems trying to process what I saw and try to explain it all but you know what i'm gonna give it my best shot that's what this episode of the tree cast with troy clarity is all about on the believe podcast network sunday october 3rd 2021 (laughs) so you seen any good football games lately (laughs) holy cow Uh, Stanford beats number three Oregon 31 24 in overtime. And the Cardinal do it to the Ducks again, knocking off another highly ranked Oregon squad. And we have a lot to do. A lot to talk about, a lot to try to process. Um, we're, you're going to hear from Stanford head coach David Shaw. You're going to hear from Stanford quarterback Tanner McKee. His legend continues to be growing by the week, it seems. Uh, Cardinal uh, outside linebacker Gabe Reed and Stanford wide receiver Elijah Higgins. Together with my thoughts as well, we're going to try to piece together what kind of sense we could make of that result against the Oregon Ducks. Thanks for being with us here on the show. I'm in Detroit, Clarity. 29 years of following Stanford football. This is season number 29 for me and uh what happened on Saturday at Stanford Stadium? Uh, Will certainly rank right up there as far as memorable finishes that uh, that I've seen with my own two eyes. And in my eighth season of Pac-12 Network play-by-play, coming off a real busy weekend: women's soccer on Thursday, volleyball on Friday, the football game on Saturday was covering that, and uh, calling a women's volleyball on the Pac-12 Network on Sunday as well. So a busy weekend, and for me, it culminates. With this talking Stanford football with you. Follow me on Twitter at Troy Clarity. My last name is C L A R D Y. Subscribe to the show via your favorite listening app. That would be Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Any way you want to go, any way you want to listen, the TreeCast has you covered. Well, You might remember on last week's TreeCast in previewing Stanford, Oregon, we talked a lot about the 2001 comeback win for Stanford over Oregon with help from Tank Williams, who had a starring role um, in the Cardinals win that day. But there's also 2009, 2012, and 2018. And, And heck, I even go back to 1995 when it comes to the Stanford beating the Ducks in shocking fashion. As, as once again, the Cardinal knock off a highly ranked Oregon team and flip the script on everyone. Minutes after making the catch to send the game to overtime, Stanford wide receiver Elijah Higgins reflected on, on an incredible afternoon.
2: What we did today was we came out and we showed and we put on the field what we do. And it's not a hoax either. To tell all y'all in here right now, it's not a hoax. That's what we do. So last game, when we went five in a row, three and out, we were pissed because that is not what we do. And that's not who we are. What we did tonight is who we are. That is who we are.
0: And who Stanford is, is a team that doesn't quit. And a team that might very well have a bigger say in the Pac-12 race than we might think. We'll dive deeper into this in just a moment or so. But first, all eyes on the gridiron team's back. For another football season, and as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Here's what you need to do: head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget, use our promo code Believe. That's B L E A V. To receive your bonus from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the twenty twenty one season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Where the tree cast usually starts is with three things, and we have three things you need to know about that Stanford Oregon result over the weekend. Of course, we begin with number one. <laughs> And, and we'll get deeper into all the dominoes that had to fall for this to happen and for and, and everything that had to lead up to this. But let's start with focusing on the touchdown that tied the game with no time on the clock in regulation. Stanford had already driven that from as far back as its own four-yard line with less than two minutes left. But after a defensive pass interference penalty in the end zone on the Ducks, Tanner McKee. Through the fade to Elijah Higgins, who caught it for the game-tying score to end the fourth quarter. Tanner McKee taking us through that play.
3: So, backside, uh, the safety kind of was trying to double-team the, t- the whole game, so we went to the field. Um, they saw that adjusted and adjusted to the field. They had a one-on-one backside. Um, I mean, you've seen Elijah Higgins. He's, he's a mismatch for pretty much anybody with his speed, his height, and his strength. Um, So, when I knew it was a one on one matchup, uh, that was the guy we were going to.
0: Yeah, right matchup, right decision, good throw, and a great catch. Here's how Higgins described it from his perspective.
2: It's not a design play for anybody. um, But when John got that penalty, I I felt like he was going to switch it up and come the other way. Um, Looking at, I knew, I saw the look on the defense. I saw the safety go inside, and I knew the ball was coming. I saw Tanner peek over, like I said, right before the snap. And I knew I just had to do what I had to do on the route and uh, body up the corner and just go up and grab the ball. Um, so, yeah, it's not really a design play for anybody. It's just his look and who he trusts. And that time he went with me, and I helped him out and doing something that Bryson Tremaine does um, every time, just filling in that spot and, and just just playing like him. Yeah, more on Bryson Tremaine in a second.
0: Uh, meanwhile, in overtime, McKee hit John Humphreys on third and 11. McKee, Humphreys bounced off of one duck, then dragged two others into the end zone. That touchdown stood as the game winner. But there was certainly a lot of high drama on the game tire let's move on to number two and man this was a rough game this was a rough game this was a physical game had a feeling that it would be the case even before it started and uh, it certainly um, was was a pretty brutal game uh, at times and not everyone walked off the field Oregon running back CJ Verdell left the game in the third quarter with a leg injury and Stanford wide receiver Bryson Tremaine carted off the field after a gruesome injury to his leg after a catch and run early in the second quarter Tremaine entered the game as Stanford's leading receiver. Cardinal head coach David Shaw on how much of an effect that injury could have on the
1: Cardinal offense going forward. Uh, it'll be impactful because I think he was on his way to being one of the best receivers in America. And uh, we'll see how, how bad it is. And if he comes back next year, I'd anticipate him being on that path again. Um, the catches he makes in the in the end zone, I don't know if there's anybody better in America inside the 15 yard line. It's
0: phenomenal. And that does beg the question, how close is Michael Wilson? I'll try to get an update on that when we speak to David Shaw later on this week in preparation for Arizona State. Meanwhile, Tanner McKee took a shot on that final drive in regulation and went down in a heap. And he landed face down and he wasn't moving. And I saw the whole season evaporating right before my very eyes. But McKee only missed one snap, returned to finish the drive and the game. Afterwards, Tanner told us
3: what happened. Yeah, I mean, Oregon hits hard. <laughs> um, I took a shot to the ribs, um, kind of got the wind knocked out of me a little bit, kind uh, of breathed for a little bit, so I was on the floor. And then uh, once I got off, kind of walking around a little bit, thought of, I thought I was totally fine. Doctors checked my ribs out, cleared me, um, and I'm, I'm feeling great right now.
0: Boy, thank goodness for that. Uh, Stanford's medical tent uh, behind the sideline, it was it was busy. It was busy throughout that game, and that certainly could have an effect on the cards near future. More on that later. Let's wipe out and finish up three things with number three. And Stanford's defense wobbled a bit through much of the second half. They are on the field for almost 11 minutes of that third quarter. And yes, Oregon ran for 228 yards. But the defense's finest hour perhaps came in the second quarter. Stanford up 17-7. Oregon at the Stanford three. Third and goal with a minute and one left before the half. C.J. Verdell gets stoned at the goal line by Jacob mangum Ferrar That forced fourth, fourth and goal at the one. Oregon quarterback Anthony Brown keeps the ball, tries the middle, but gets wrapped up by Jordan Fox behind the line of scrimmage. Turnover on downs. And Stanford keeps its 17-7 lead at the half. Gabe Reed also in on the play, and afterwards he took us through it.
4: Yeah, it was huge. It was huge, man. Um, Definitely have been on the other end of of goal line stands when the offense is able to get it into the end zone. So uh, we're just happy that um, everyone did their assignment. We got a surge from the the D-line, and everyone fit their gaps right, and we're able to knock it back. So it was, a, it was a huge, huge play, especially coming into halftime, just to have that momentum and continue to, to build off of, you know, the, the solid first-half start that we already had. Yeah, that failed fourth-down attempt by Oregon
0: broke a streak of 17 straight fourth-down conversions allowed by the Stanford defense, dating back to the 2019 season, 17 in a row. Well, they picked a great time to break that streak, no? Holy cow. Defense also came up big in overtime. Ryan Johnson forcing Brown out of the pocket and perhaps uh, forcing an errant pass on the run that was caught out of bounds. Uh, So an incomplete pass uh, to seal the game for Stanford in overtime. But that goal line stand at the half may have been the tree fence's best work of the day. Those are three things. Some numbers of note from the game individually. Tanner McKee, 20 at 36 for 230 yards and three touchdowns. He still has not thrown an interception in 138 throws so far this season. Higgins, six catches, 62 yards and a touchdown. Humphreys and Tremaine also with scores. Stanford's running game, also a bit of a resurgence. Last week, Nathaniel Pete gained just 27 yards on 13 carries against UCLA. Pitiful run blocking up front. Not really Pete's fault necessarily, but against Oregon. Pete and Austin Jones, who missed the game against the Bruins last week as he was unavailable. But Jones played the majority of this game at running back. Pete and Jones combined for 108 yards on 24 carries. Gabe Reed, nice game for that guy. Six total tackles and an interception of a brutal throw from Anthony Brown. Reed looked like he was the intended receiver on that. And Nicholas Toomer, who has been out for most of the season with injury until this point, uh, Stanford cornerback led the Cardinal with 10 tackles and forced a fumble that was later taken back after a replay review. More on that in in, in a few minutes. Uh, Stanford has now beaten Oregon four times, by the way, when the Ducks are ranked in the top five. How about that? So did Stanford win that game or did Oregon lose it? My answer to that is yes. Both of those things can equally be true. But no matter which way you look at it, there were still so many things that had to fall just so for that to be the the end result. Oregon down 17-7 at the half, scored the game's next 17 points, had a 24-17 lead, and the ball with three minutes to go. Oregon went for it on 4th and 1 from the Stanford 42 and got it. Hopefully that doesn't start a new streak against the the Stanford, the Stanford defense that, that takes almost two years to, to stop. Ducks fans already in celebration mode. Couldn't blame them, and I was starting to... Starting to gather my stuff to head down to the field from the press box for post-game stuff. And and, and that's when things started to happen. Back-to-back false starts on Oregon. Pushed the ball back to the Stanford 49. A two-yard run. Stanford called timeout with 2.17 left. Then on second and 18, Oregon threw the ball. Tried to pass off play action that was incomplete. And stopped the clock. It also dropped my jaw. I couldn't believe they did that. I, I was like trying to think, wait a minute, did, did I just really see that? Did that really happen? It did. And there was zero reason to call a, pa- a pass play in that situation. None. Now, Oregon's offensive play caller, Joe Moorhead, was not with the team. Apparently, a non-COVID-related illness prevented him from even from even getting on the plane and heading down to the Bay Area. So, Jor Moorhead, who called a lights-out game against the Ohio State Buckeyes last month, wasn't calling the shots for the Oregon offense against the Cardinal on Saturday. And maybe that that might explain some other things that we saw from the Ducks throughout the course of that game. Anyway, that ill-advised play call and the incompletion that resulted allowed Stanford to keep a timeout in its pocket. Ducks eventually punted to the Stanford 13 with 1.59 left, but that inexplicable call on second down was the play that set everything else in motion and, and all the dominoes that had to fall in order for Stanford to just tie the game back to back fall starts on Stanford to move the ball back to the four yard line McKee throwing a slant to John Humphreys for 23 yards on second and 19 McKee getting blasted and knocked out of the game for one play And a 15-yard targeting penalty called on Oregon's best player. I thought McKee was dead. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm being hyperbolic here, but oh my goodness, I thought it was over. I really thought it was over when McKee was on the floor. But he only missed one play. Back-to-back first down grabs by Ben Yurasek and Bradley Archer. A rough from the passer call on Oregon to move the ball to the Oregon 17. Yurasek again, this time to the Oregon 3. McKee losing a yard on an option keeper. 12 seconds left, second and goal, fade to Humphreys, knocked away. Eight seconds left, third and goal, Humphreys well covered covered on a post, incomplete. Five seconds left, fourth and goal, fade to Humphreys, but Oregon gets called for defensive pass interference. And finally, McKee to Higgins on an untimed down to tie it. Gee, outside of that, pretty uneventful final three minutes. (laughs) Good grief! Um, that that sequence may have given you a bit of a nineteenth nervous breakdown, but at the end of it all, it was satisfaction. David Shaw channeling the Rolling Stones himself after the
1: game. Told the guys in the locker room, you know, you don't always get what you what you want, right? Like the Rolling Stones say, man, sometimes you get what you need, and uh, I think we needed that. We need to be ahead and fight through adversity and find a way to win against a really good football team.
0: Yeah, look, the the Ducks, as well as they played through much of the second half, and that third quarter was pretty much what I feared was going to happen, and that was on both sides of the ball, too. Defensively, their coverage improved greatly from the first half. They were really not giving Tanner McKee any options to throw downfield, and Stanford's offense ground to a halt in the third and much of the fourth quarters. But as well as the Ducks played through much of the second half, they left the door open for Stanford. And the cards walked right through it. Well, maybe staggered through it is, is a more accurate description, but I think you get what I mean here. Not every team can do that, right? I mean, I, I, there, there's always the, the the saying that I, that I like to, to lean on at times. You know, the other team's trying to win too, but that doesn't mean you have to help them. And even if you do help them, that doesn't necessarily mean that the other team is going to take advantage. Cardinal did. And that experience has given this team something new to hold on to,
2: according to Elijah Higgins. We're going to adopt as a team, as a program, especially after this win that anything is possible, you know what I'm saying? Like, if we're down by a touchdown with whatever, one minute and a half left, like, we, could, we still got what it takes to do it because we've done it before. We've done it against the number three Oregon team. So we know we're capable of love now, and now we understand we can go into, into games when it's close. We can go into, with, into it with that confidence, you know what I'm saying? So um, I'm excited for our team and what, what this means for us as well. Yeah,
0: well said. Well said. I mean, this team could have folded when Bryson Tremaine got hurt. I mean, that, that injury took the air out of the stadium. Uh, I, I knew something didn't look right when that play was unfolding, when he was hit, and based on where his body was and where part, other parts of his body were in relation to uh, to where he was in relation to each other when that hit was made, something just didn't look right. And then I heard the fans all groaning and gasping, and then I saw for myself, and then I heard everyone on the Stanford bench yelling for help, uh, for Bryson Tremaine but you know the team could have folded after that they didn't they scored a touchdown on that drive instead and took a 17-7 lead so the resiliency of this squad in full display certainly in that sequence early in the second quarter and again and again with the entire game on the line um I want to play something for you. And it's not something that I usually like to acknowledge and talk about. But we really need to discuss the officiating that we saw on Saturday. And I want to start this with David Shaw's thoughts on how this particular
1: officiating crew performed. I do believe the game was officiated well. Wait, 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 wait.
0: Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. I I, I got to stop you. I got I to stop Shaw right there because... I could not disagree with him any more than, than I than I than I than I do right
1: now. Uh,
0: continue on, coach.
1: There are some conversations I think we need to have. Speaking as the head coach at Stanford, but also as the uh, the guy who leads the uh, rules committee for the NCAA. The definition of disconcerting signals. What constitutes that foul? Those are the conversations that we're trying to have. We've never jumped offside so much in a game. So uh, that, I think, needs to be talked about. It'll be talked about behind closed doors, so don't expect me to give you any answers. But that's what I was animated about on the sidelines a couple times.
0: Okay, so Shaw thought the game was well-officiated overall, but he was very, very concerned and not happy about the disconcerting signals that apparently Uh, Oregon was yelling out at the line of scrimmage, which probably explains why Stanford got called for seven false starts in its own stadium. So, yes, Shaw can have that conversation, and I'm sure that, as I say this on Sunday evening, I'm pretty sure that he's already had the clips uh, sent to the Pac-12's officiating office. That being said, I also hope he included a few other plays and issues with the tape he sent to the officiating office as well. Like the, the terrible spot on McKee's failed fourth down sneak in the first quarter. Or McKee on a scramble in the second quarter, giving himself up at the Oregon 20, but somehow being called down back at the Oregon 22, where he hadn't even started to slide yet. Or a couple other spots for Stanford that that seemed to be a foot or two behind where the ball actually should have been. Or Nicholas Toomer's forced fumble in the second quarter that... I'm not really sure the replay and the video evidence that we had decisively overturned the original call on the field, which was a fumble. I'm not so sure about that. Or the whistle perhaps blowing early on on Austin Jones down at the goal line in the first quarter. Stanford ended up settling for a field goal on that drive. Think those four points ended up not being very important towards the end of it? Officiating was way below the line. In this one, and I haven't even gotten to the calls that went against Oregon, right? <laughs> I mean, sh- should should Kayvon Thibodeau have been booted from the game for targeting on Tanner McKee? My suspicion is that if McKee wasn't a quarterback, that flag, that particular flag, might not have been thrown. Should that defensive penalty, uh, pass interference, have been called in the end zone to set up the game time touchdown? I don't think so. No. That's not a complaint, by the way. The rough in the pass, the rough in the passer penalty earlier on in that drive was a little bit soft, but it's something that's going to get called way more often than not in this day and age. You make contact with the quarterback around his neck; um, that 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 flag's going to get thrown. A little bit soft. Especially if, if you remember if you remember watching Tank Williams play and <laughs> some of the hits that he got away with now that 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 would cause him to sit out halves of games for targeting these days. In this day and age, that rough in the past or penalty, that was legit. And I'm stunned that young Cardinal safety, Alakai Gilman didn't get run from the game when he got called for targeting in overtime. If anything, I was certain that was a personal foul at the very least after he hit a receiver on an incompletion, but everything got overturned and they said, Hey, congrats, stay on the, stay on the field. You didn't do anything wrong. I was, I was shocked by that, but put it all together. And it was not that officiating crew's finest hour. And, and, and while, while Shaw said that the game was well officiated. And apparently Mario Cristobal, Oregon's head coach, didn't have much to say on the matter either, because, you know, and probably that's that's more of a function of him, of him not wanting to be fined more than anything else. But man, there was there was there was plenty of evidence to the contrary. I had major questions about how that game was officiated on both sides. It's not a card I like to play, but it was just so egregious at times. I I I can't you know it's a major subplot to the game. I can't I can't talk around it. And to me, it's just another facet of just an absolutely bizarre and surreal finish. All right, let's get back to talking football. Plenty on Stanford's plate defensively against the Ducks, especially with Oregon's two main running backs, C.J. Verdell and Travis Dye. Both of those guys got theirs. Dye ran for 96 yards, Verdell for 63, which seemed like a, a low number uh, before he had to exit due to his injury. And quarterback Anthony Brown hit Micah Pittman, crossing underneath in man coverage. Caillou Blue Cal- Kelly missed the tackle, and Pittman went 66 yards to the Stanford 10, setting up Oregon's go-ahead touchdown with 9.32 to go. Rare missed tackle for Caillou Blue Kelly, who, who played a very good game overall for him again. That missed tackle went for 66. And after having the ball for 12 minutes in the first half, Oregon held the ball for 1051 of the third quarter. But Stanford rose up when it mattered most. They rose up when it mattered most. Gabe Reed on the
4: defense's day. Coming into the game, we were thinking they have some dangerous uh, backs in the backfield, so that was our number one priority, just stop the run. Um, I think first half, we did well um, stopping the run, and everyone rallied to the ball, uh, and we made plays when, when they came up, but second half, I think we, we uh, gave up a few that we, we should have had, wish we could have had back, but like I said, I'm proud of the way that we, we battled as a defense, and um, yeah, I felt like this is you know coming closer to reaching our full potential as a defense. I feel like there's still uh, a lot on the table for us. Um, our ceiling's still higher than, than how we played tonight, but proud of our guys yeah
0: reed as we mentioned the beneficiary of an interception of a horribly thrown ball in the first quarter out in the flat that reed looked like he was the intended receiver on quite honestly reed also recovered that fumble that nicholas tumor force that was that was overturned by replay uh, reed's also been nominated for pac-12 defensive player of the week by the way um, I haven't voted yet. I haven't submitted my ballot. I've had I've had a lot to do <laughs> on this Sunday. Uh, so I'll, I'll I'll do that after I'm done with the show. And let's face it, um, while Brown could move with his legs and did, scoring a couple of touchdowns along the way, he is not a threat to throw the ball downfield. What was this, his first downfield throw? Um, he had his tight end in the head. Tight end wasn't even expecting it. He was wide open running down the seam, but... It, Brown's not a, not a threat to throw downfield. Oregon was at its most effective throwing to running backs, throwing quick outs, trying crossing patterns, and things like that. Everything else was kaput. And I'm still shocked that the Ducks threw the ball as much as they did. Now, if I'm going to get on the offensive line when they're struggling, as, as I have on a couple of episodes already, uh, this season, on this show. Look, I also got to shout them out when they when they do well, right? Got to. Pass protection, I think, largely has been fine this season for Stanford. And 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 it was, I think, again today, Kayvon Thibodeau wasn't really a factor until the end. And certainly not in the way that he wanted to be a factor. But run blocking much improved, especially considering where it was against UCLA, right? I mean, uh, unlike last week, Nathaniel Pete was able to actually bounce outside. Unlike against the Bruins, when he didn't even have the chance, he'd take the handoff and get smacked almost immediately. But Pete was able to bounce outside and make big plays. Nice to see Austin Jones picking up some steady yardage on his carries as well. Walter Rouse, Stanford left tackle, and left guard Barrett Miller had nice moments. And Jake Hornerbrook, uh, held up pretty well at right guard in Branson Bragg's place. So improved run blocking equals improved run production. How about that? Novel concept, right? And that improves the Stanford offense's chances of success. Stanford quarterback Tanner McKee, very happy to see all of that unfold and that formula takes shape
3: obviously starts the run game uh that was super big for us o-line thought did a really good job against a very talented um oregon defense obviously uh their front four and their linebackers they're very talented very physical so i thought our o-line did a great job giving our guy a crease um and then we know what nate pete and austin jones and all those guys can do when they get a crease um so they made big plays for us
0: yeah that's tanner mckee and and finally stanford trending up in the run-blocking department coming off of a football game this year. Hopefully that continues for the remainder of the season. So, after Anthony Brown's final pass was called incomplete, celebration was on. It was on, man. Students stormed the field. First time since the Notre Dame game in 2015, I think. I, I can't remember off the top of my head any other time the students have stormed the field at Stanford Stadium uh, in between those two. Now, look, they they, they they let fans on the field after every home finale, but that's just kind of become become a, a, a nice gesture, I think, by Stanford Athletics and a really cool one uh, after the home finale of every year. So those were not field stormings. Uh, but but Stanford students definitely stormed the field in 2015 uh, against Notre Dame after uh, Conrad Ukrepina, um hit that uh, field goal at the buzzer. That was a cool night. Tanner McKee leading the C House chant in the locker room. And there were a lot of happy Stanford fans on Saturday afternoon. Maybe a bit dazed and bewildered and wondering how the hell all that happened, but still pretty happy. So hopefully I wasn't killing the buzz a little bit when I asked David Shaw this question during the postgame press conference. Short week now with a plane ride thrown in there for good measure, given that how, how long do you celebrate this one before you have to start uh, turning your attention to A-State? If you're asking me, I'm done.
1: <laughs> I'm watching Arizona State tonight. Um, told the guys, the next 48 hours uh, are big for us. The guys who played a lot of snaps tonight, they got to get off their feet. Sunday, they got to come in and get treatment. they got to rest. Monday is a modified Monday for us because um, we have to get some good work in. Uh, but We're going to cut that down. Tuesday, we're going to cut that down. So Monday and Tuesday, we've highly modified for us. uh, Slightly physical, mostly mental. um, And then we'll have a walkthrough day, and we'll get on the plane. So um, really, really tough, long, physical game today. So the most important thing is our guys getting our legs back so we can go play next, next Friday night.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. There is that. Stanford, Arizona State, this Friday. And whether Stanford had beaten Oregon or not, I was wondering if the card were gonna have enough guys to get on the plane to Tempe on Thursday and play the Sun Devils on Friday. I and mean, look, and we talked about this um even back when the schedule first came out. I was like, oh boy, at Arizona State on a short week after playing Oregon. Yeesh. Big time challenge. Big time challenge. And <laughs> look, great to see Stanford get the win. And Tanner McKee, I asked him the same question. I asked uh, David Shaw as well. And he said, yep, got the got the cherry juice, got the protein in me. We're all about recovery. And preparations have already begun uh, for the Sun Devils game on Friday. Great win. But let's see if Stanford has enough on a short week on the road to face a team that's arguably playing better than anybody else in the Pac-12 at this point. Um, came back in the, in the first half. On the UCLA Bruins down at the Rose Bowl, and then and then got a lot of separation and stayed away from the from the Bruins in the second half. Impressive stuff uh, from the Sun Devils, who are quite honestly overall playing better than, than I thought they would, given their um, potential troubles, shall we say? But still, a great win, a great win for Stanford, and a much needed win, as as Shaw said earlier. And given everything else that happened around the Pac-12 North on Saturday, I'm wondering if I might need to start thinking about maybe a, a trip to Corvallis in mid-November. Maybe keep that weekend of November 13th open if I can. I'm not sure if I have a Pac-12 network game that weekend or not. I need to, off the top of my head, I need to look, look at the calendar. But but I'm, I'm thinking about it, thinking about it right now. I am going to Pullman in a couple weeks always like heading to Pullman. Well, I always like being in Pullman. Getting there and getting out of there, a eh, bit of a chore. But once you're actually in Pullman, it's pretty cool. Stanford Stadium was a pretty cool place to be on Saturday. <laughs> they beat the Ducks again. How about that? <laughs> wow. You've got thoughts on Stanford football. I know you do, especially after a result like that. Let's share. Let's compare notes. Best way to do that is via Twitter. Give me the hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast on Twitter. You've got thoughts on Stanford football or, heck, anything else related to Stanford athletics, right? I mean, it's been the past few days for me have been soccer and women's volleyball heavy along with football. So, heck, anything else you got, lay it on me. Hashtag TreeCast on Twitter. Uh, If you have not subscribed to the show just yet, what are you waiting for? Do it now. Do it now. Hit the subscribe button. And when the shows are ready, as we come at you twice a week throughout the rest of the regular season, just hit one button. Just tap it in and you're good to go. Uh, Dale and Wade Perry, uh, Stanford nose tackle, was our guest uh, last week. And even he himself said on Twitter, tap into the tree cast. You heard the man. So, yeah, subscribe to the show, rate and review the show, and uh, react to the program as well on your friendly neighborhood message board. I always appreciate it when you do all of those things. And we will talk to you next time. With this being a short week, we might have a slightly wonky uh, posting schedule for the next couple of weeks or so. Actually, it is kind of wonky right now. Usually I have these things up uh, by Sunday at noon, but thanks to my uh, Pac-12 Network Volleyball match that I was calling uh, earlier on Sunday, putting it up here on Sunday evening. So already we're a little bit uh, off, off schedule. This week, normally we come at you on Thursday morning. Decent chance we actually post um, the Arizona State preview show, hopefully, by Wednesday afternoon. Again, subscribe. That way you don't have to constantly be looking and seeing when the show is up. I mean, you can. I appreciate it if you do. But looking initially at uh, Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon for the next TreeCast, previewing Stanford's road trip down to Arizona State. And it should come at you on a Saturday, a Saturday, aiming for around noon or so uh, to post reaction and a review of what happens down in Tempe. Until then, thanks for checking us out on this episode of the show. You heard from David Shaw, you heard from Tanner McKee and Gabe Reed and Elijah Higgins as well. Don't drink and drive if you do. You're the dumbest person on the planet. And you can't back the pack if you don't back the VAC. It is that simple. We'll talk to you later this week. Thank you for joining us on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger.